Are you looking for truth from God's Word that you can understand and apply to your life? You'll find it today on Make It Clear with Dr. Stan Pons, Bible teacher and president of Florida Bible College in beautiful Orlando. Listen now as Stan makes it clear. I I can't go to every funeral they ask me to go to to do. On the other hand, if I say, no, I can't, I'm here to shepherd these people, I am giving you a false balance of what a pastor is about. I have to be about evangelism. I have to help people that are crying out for a pastor at a time of their most tremendous, painful need. Someone's died that they loved, and there's nobody to give a spiritual to this thing. And so I'm looking at this, and I'm saying, you know, I've got to shepherd our people. I've got to have the wisdom of God to know How do I balance my time? Because I will do these things. I will reach out in the community. This is my community. You work out there. I don't. I work in this monastery. So I've got to get out there to those people. At the same time, I want you to know, once I'm on this side, there's a tremendous struggle. Let me ask you, how do you do a funeral for someone that you know never knew Christ, denied Christ, and was of some other belief? How do you do a funeral in a way that is going to be honorable to the island culture, definitely honorable to God? That's a struggle. The pastor's here. We're facing God. Well, how do we do this? One of the most funerals I had was of a lady who died who owned an angel shop in a mall on the windward side. And they said, would I do this? Her whole shop in the mall was given over to angels. She worshipped angels. She had angels all over her casket. That was her whole life. Now, that's another time how we dealt with that. And I'm only illustrating this fact. This lady was this, we're going to call her the queen of angels for that moment. I'm, being, I'm not trying to be cutesy, but just for a moment. What I kept thinking was, is how much money does it cost to own or to, to lease a, a, a shop in, a, in an air-conditioned mall? How much does it cost? I don't know. And then, okay, let's, it, it's X dollars, but it's, it's mega dollars, okay? So you have to have something in that shop and sell enough of that stuff in order to pay for your products and pay for your salary and pay for the leasing of that. So what does that tell you business people? There's got to be a lot of folks out there that are buying this angel stuff. Tons of stuff out there. Now why are they doing it? I'm not denying the existence of angels. We believe in angels. We just don't worship them. But people have now convoluted into this thing to make it better than it is. That's part of the Colossian heresy. And if you don't think this is happening, get into a spiritual conversation with anybody and you'll be amazed at the stuff that they believe and they come up with, and yet it's not in agreement with God's Word. So you'll see that as a part of it. And then last is what we call false sacrifice, where they kind of beat up on themselves, and we see some of that. I want to move on to where is this. And that is what Paul did to refute this false teaching is that he wanted to be completely committed to building up the faith of the people, and he did it by prayer and exhortation and teaching, but to build up the faith. Now, listen, folks, <clears throat> I want to build your faith up every week. And if you can't come here on a Sunday for X reason, I will never look down on you, I will never marginalize you. I, I have no right to judge you when you're not here. Just know this I'm praying for you, I love you. And if there's one thing when you can't be here that would please me, and I would hope would please our Heavenly Father, would be. Please get a copy of the CD. And not me. It's because I want us to start and finish the journey in this wonderful study of Colossians. And I don't want us to miss any of that because God is speaking to you. He knows your life. He knows your present. He knows your future. He knows the people that are going to come in and out of your life. And he wants you to have this truth. So I care about you. So however you get this stuff, get it, 
to learn. In order for me to build up your faith, I have to teach you the truth because faith comes by hearing and hearing by the word of God. So I'm going to teach you God's word. You're going to learn it verse by verse through Colossians. But the way you do it is not to have a head knowledge of Colossians because there's many of you that have already studied Colossians in some Bible study, Sunday school, small group, Bible college, seminary. I don't know. You've already got it. The point of the matter is not how much you know of the book of Colossians. It's how much you know of the God of the book of Colossians accurately. And then, final, the application of it to your life. So I'm going to try to provide it in a way that you can begin applying it to your life, as I'm wanting to do this with me. All right, next question. Where was Colossae located? I'll show you what this is. Can you see this? This is a boot. Does anybody know what country this is? Everybody. Italy. What's this over here? No, it's a football. See the boot, the kick? No, no, I'm joking. That's Sicily. Okay. Over here is Macedonia. For those of you that don't know, this is where Albania is. Okay. Albania, in that part of the area. Now we're coming over here. Now what you're going to see is Ephesus. We've already taught you about Ephesus. But Colossae is right here. So look at my two fingers. So you have Ephesus and Colossae. Now when you look at that map, does, most of you probably don't know today what country lies in this area of the geography. Does anybody know? I bet we got some in here that do. Turkey! Turkey! Turkey. All right, so this is Turkey. Where you know Colossae is in Turkey right now. Some of you might be wondering, why do we not have Colossae today? I don't really know. God is sovereign. He does what he wants. But if I'm to look at it through the mind of man, here's what I do know about Colossae. Colossae was a vibrant, rocking and rolling city before Christ. In fact, the name Colossae is kind of an aberration of a word that meant red dyed wool cloth. And because they were doing so much there in this family, it grew and people began to make more of it. And then they began to market it all over. And a city was born out of that called Colossae. But what happened in 16 AD and then again in 61 AD, there were massive earthquakes. And when I started reading that, I did a history on, on, on Turkey. Do you know that Turkey and the, and the earthquakes that occur in Turkey have the same fault style line, not the same fault, but the same fault style line that the Andreas Fault has in California? The difference is there may be some earthquakes in California, but nothing like the big one that's been hitting Turkey. There was one in 1999, 171 people died then. Another one in 2003. 3,700 people died, not mentioning the people that were, were maimed and, and, and shattered in their lives and buildings coming down. And that's not through the entire country of Turkey. That's just in the same area where Colossae is now. I don't know about all of that stuff. I can only just imagine that God in some measure is trying to give these people a wake-up call. And I wonder how many times God is permitting natural actions on this earth to cause us to begin understanding there is a bigger thing going on. There's natural stuff that happens with the laws of nature. Gravity is a law. But remember, every law of nature is a law that God created. And God will do what he wants with his laws of nature to do what he can to begin to cause us to wake up. Now, we don't worship the nature. We worship the God of the nature. We go back to the book to connect better to him. So that's why we probably don't have Colossae today. The city eventually was totally ruined, and they never rebuilt it again. Who are the senders of this letter? Well, let's read it with me. Everyone out loud. Who are the senders of this letter? Verse 1. Paul, an apostle of Jesus Christ, 
by the will of God and Timothy, our brother. All right, so technically, now is the Holy Spirit God, yes or no? Yes, he is. So he is God. God is the author through the Holy Spirit. Now, who is the writer of the book of Colossae? Who is it? Paul. Paul probably never went to Colossae. Whatever he knows of Colossae is because one of the guys he mentored and worked with was a guy by the name of Epaphras, who you'll see later on in the book did some, some super stuff, was a super faithful minister, and probably brought back information about the culture and the climate of the Christians that Paul was so burdened by those people he never met that he decided to write them a letter under the inspiration of the Holy Spirit that we even have today. That's big, folks. You know what that tells me? That you don't even have to know people personally in order to love them enough to give them truth. Is this body of believers ready for that? Are we ready to take on the loved ones of others? Are we, is our hearts so bursting with love and truth that we want everybody to know it, even the ones we know and the ones we don't know? Here's something else that's cool. Paul even referred to the people at Colossae whom he probably never met as brothers. He didn't just say church people, people I know, people I heard about. He called them brothers. He had a relationship without ever maybe shaking their hand or giving them a little hug. He knew him that well. What a great guy he was. And how much I want to have that same, not Paul's spirit, but Holy Spirit of love for people enough to give them truth, even if I don't know them personally. And now let me throw a real challenge out to some of you. Some of you, God has given some great teaching to. You, some of you could write a book. Some of you ought to be writing pamphlets. Some of you ought to separate from some of the, not bad stuff you're doing, but maybe some of the good stuff so you have time to do the great stuff like write material. Get that published. Get it out. Gospel tracts, follow-up booklets, children's material. I don't know if God will ever allow us to do this, but I would love to see some of our men and women that love the Lord, love the Word, love the culture, and love our children and write our own children's curriculum here. Or take what's out there and fit it to our people. I'm going to tell you, we need to love people that we don't even know because we love God, we love truth, and we want them to know God with truth. All right, so who is the sender? Number one, Paul. You got that right? He was the one who sent the letter. He was an apostle of Jesus Christ. Now, notice the verse. I'll just read it to you. But It says here, For there is one God and one mediator between God and men, the man Christ Jesus, who gave himself a ransom for all to be testified in due time, for which I was appointed a preacher. So who was he? A preacher. And then an apostle. Who's an apostle? You know what a preacher is. He heralded forth truth. All right, an apostle was one that was sent from God with a message to represent another, which would be Christ. All right, an apostle. Generally, they were church planters in those days, to make it real simple for you. And then it says, I am speaking the truth in Christ and not lying, a teacher of Gentiles in faith and truth. So bottom line, he was a preacher, an apostle, and a teacher. That's what we know that he was. Other verses in Scripture will repeat those same three. It's, so it seems like he was really known as a preacher, teacher, and apostle. But now for those of you, besides being in the religious world of preaching, teaching, planting churches, and all that stuff, what else did he do to make some money? He was a tent maker, which I think that's cool. He didn't accentuate he was a tent maker like saying, I'm a pastor, a preacher, a teacher, an apostle, and I'm a tent maker. No, what he did is he put all this other stuff out first. But he also was a tent maker. He didn't deny the fact, but in a sense, what he was doing is, he says, really, I am here for the eternal benefit of others, not just for the temporal. So he was all these things, a preacher, teacher. He was a tent maker. But first of all, he says, I'm going to put my spiritual purpose for living in front of my physical purpose for living. 
I'm not denying that I worked tense. I'm not denying that I had to have so-called secular employment from time to time. But what I am telling you, it's not about my secular employment. So those of you who are in secular employment, do not feel guilty that you're there because Paul was there. Many of the Bible people did that. But what you are to do is to not put that in front of who you are, but put the fact that you are a Christian that's been called by the will of God to do whatever God wants you to do. But at the same time, remember, why do you have the job you have? Why has God called you to do that, pastor, teacher? Now, some of you say, what about this apostle stuff? I I don't want to go too far with do we have apostles today or not. I don't believe we have in the biblical sense of the word apostles for today. I think that ended. However, if I want to go back to that concept of apostolicity, if I went back to that, I could also extrapolate from that concept the idea of he went to go plant churches and help others do it. So he started something from nothing with God's calling. Who today starts things from nothing? Those people who start businesses, home businesses, big businesses, those who are planting and start, we would call them entrepreneurs. So in a sense, he was a pastor or a preacher, teacher, and an entrepreneur. And so when we entrepreneur something, we generally do a business program on this thing. Nothing wrong with that. But those of you who have the entrepreneurial spirit, take that and not only do your business part, but say, wait a second, God designed me this way. Maybe God wants me to launch a ministry. Maybe God wants me to start a new program or something. Something that I could do that would have eternal value. Let's go a little bit further in this passage, all right? It says here what he did. He said, by the will of God. Would you circle that word, by the will of God? So whatever he did, he did it by the will of God. I don't know what you are. Maybe you're a teacher. Maybe you are a speaker, like a preacher. You are speaking. Maybe you are an apostle. You're an entrepreneur. You started a business. Or maybe you're in your job, they asked you to start a new department of something. You're a little bit of an entrepreneur. Some of you might be nothing more, and I say this, I hope, in as much love as I can, that just like they are with their things, you are the kind that you are stable, steady, secure. You're the, you're the, um, the drone worker. You're the person who goes in in the morning, you end the day, you keep the clock, you do everything you should with a great deal of character, whatever that might be. That is not any less than the person who launches something, as long as it's done for the glory of God with godly character. Now, here's where I'm going with it. The real bottom line is whether you're an entrepreneur, whether you are a speaker, whether you are working a regular job, or even if you are a preacher, pastor, spiritual work, are you doing it? By the will of God. I could never tell you what the will of God is for your life. But what I can tell you is, you better discover what the will of God is, and then you do it no matter the cost. Anything apart from that, you could be away from what God wants. Now, let me do some sanctified imagining. We know that he was these three things, and probably a tent maker, by the will of God. Okay, that being the case. What would it have been if God says, my will for you, Paul, is to be a preacher, teacher, and apostle, and Paul said, but I need to make tents, and I want to develop a... In fact, I want to be the beginning of Coleman. You know what I mean? Coleman that makes all the tents. I want to start my own business. And so now he says, I'm going to market this, and I've got to figure out a plan. I want to go from Colossae and Jerusalem, and I want to get up to Rome. I want this thing to go worldwide. I want to have tent-making industries all over the Middle East. Well, first of all, he'd be out of the will of God. Secondly, now watch this, watch this. That does not mean the word of God would not have gotten to us today. I believe with all my heart that if Paul missed his calling, he did not do the will of God. God's truth was bigger than Paul's disobedience that God would have given us the truth. However, Paul would have missed the very things that God wanted him to have. God would have bypassed Paul and given it to somebody else. Now, why am I telling you that? 
is God bypassing you because you have just launched into something because your family said this and you've got to do this. It's a way to make money. It's kind of by default you're doing this. Or are you centered down on the will of God? So you need to take the time to center down on it. Am I in my position? Am I doing this by the will of God? Now, kids, if you want to be smart-alecky, which I often am or was when I was your age, I'd be saying, the will of God for my life is to quit school. I'm going to just give up this stuff. I don't want to be here. I want to quit school. There are some things that you cannot change, and there are some things that you can change. Once you're in it, some of you might say, I think I married the wrong person, so to get in the will of God, I've got to divorce that person and go out over here. Do you know that the will of God is to keep your word? When you're young, the will of God is to obey and honor your parents. The will of God is to tell the truth, not lie, not sleep around, not hate, not murder. And we can go on and on. So a lot of the will of God is not so much, am I a butcher, baker, candlestick maker, although part of that is, as much as the will of God is, are you a godly butcher, baker, candlestick maker? But the point is, are you embracing the highest value? Am I in the will of God? All right, let's go a little bit further here. That was Paul. He was apostle by the will of God. Next guy is Timothy. Who was he? And you'll find very easily there, it says, Timothy, our brother. So just circle that. So he talked about being brothers. And notice the relationships we can have in life. Employer, employee, teacher, student, minister, church member, friend to friend, neighbor to neighbor, merchant to customer, worker to worker, coach to athlete, parent to a child, a conductor to a musician. We can have all different kinds of relationships in our life. But the relationship that will endure the longest will often be the ones that's built upon brotherhood. I, I need to talk about this for a moment because our church needs... Look up here for a second. Take a deep breath. I, I know it seems like it's going long, but I've I got to drive... I've got to drill this. Our church is a family or ohana. Will you hear me say that all the time? One person says, I don't hear a lot about family in the Bible. The household of God and other things, the head, the body, etc. Now, here's where we're going with it. <clears throat> if we're a family, that makes you my brother. Now, I may have a relationship with some of you that be, be my mentor and I'm, I'm following you. Some of you will sell me things, so you're the merchant and I'm the customer, and I realize that. But the relationship that's the most endearing, the one that will change the life, the one that will rescue each other, is a relationship based upon, here's the word, brotherhood. Now, ladies, sisterhood, okay? So sisterhood, brotherhood, the idea is filial relationship in the body of Christ. Now, what does that mean? I may not like your product, so I'll go to another merchant. I may not like your teaching style, I'll go to another teacher. I may not like... Maybe that doctor. So I'll go to a different physician. I can do that. But in the family of God, we don't run away from one another. We work through our issues, our isms and our spasms. We work together because we know that the greatest and the most, watch this, longest lasting eternal relationship we will ever have will be Timothy, my brother. Colossians, my brothers. We are brothers here. We don't leave. When anybody in this body hurts, we all suffer. So what do we do? Sit around and suffer and poke our finger at someone, point our finger at somebody who's suffering? No, you know what we do? We quickly try to bring about healing because once that person is healthier, we're healthier. So it's brotherhood. So that's what Paul is trying to use here, Timothy. But I'm using him as an example of brotherhood. Let's go quickly now. Or who are the receivers of this letter? Okay, they're called the saints and faithful brethren, so we know that it was written to believers. 
But now some of you are going to sit back and say, yes, again, that was for those people. But how do you know God wants us to have this truth for today? Here's what it says. The faithful brethren in Christ. And then it says, who are in Colossae. So you have two different groups, in a sense. You have those that are in Christ. That would be everyone that's in Christ. But then he also says those that are in Colossae. So he says, okay, specifically everybody who's in Christ, but also all those in Christ who are in Colossae. Nothing is wrong with getting into this other world. As long as we remain vitally connected to the upper world, the world in which Christians can only survive. Watch that. And that's the world of God. So I don't care how much you get immersed in this world. You better be very careful that you do not get disconnected from the intimacy that you can have from the Lord. Now, you'll never lose your salvation. You may die physically if you get too much into this world and you reject all the principles of God and you want to live your own world and say, I don't want that air. I don't like that air. In fact, the more I'm tied to that air, the less I can do in this world. And so let's get rid of this air so I can stay down longer, go down further. Eventually, you will die physically, but, but you won't die spiritually. But I'm going to tell you, there have been times when I've been snorkeling and I'm not the best snorkeler. And sometimes a wave will come and I have digested good old-fashioned South Shore water. I've sucked in that. And how many of you have ever taken a mouthful of salt water from the ocean? Well, my friends, it's because I need pure air. And we could go on with the whole, all that as well. But that's what he's saying. So, folks, this message is for those people at Colossae, but those people at Honolulu. Those people at Kailua, those people in Kaneohe, those people in Kapahulu, those people in Kaimoki, those people on the leeward side. And don't you be so smug, mainlanders. Wherever you are, it's written to you too. And I want you to go on this journey with us. Would you now, for just a moment, look at the last part here. How did Paul greet the Colossians? He said, I give you grace and peace from God our Father. Grace and peace. Two words that he used over and over again when he started his letters 13 times. Grace and peace. Just a moment. Let's look at the reflect and respond. I put that in there because I didn't want any one of us to miss a question that we need to reflect upon and then to respond to for those of you who want to go to your next level on your journey with God. Number one is this. Do I sense that who I am and what I do in life is by the will of God? I don't want to run away from properly and appropriately answering that tough question. Do I sense that who I am and what I do in life is by the will of God? Number two, do I connect and engage with others or do I avoid involvement to protect my time and intimacy? Now think about yourself. Do you engage and connect with others or do you avoid involvement to protect your time and intimacy? And you may have to put people in a pecking order of importance or need. Some of mine, I'll be there if you're involved in a wreck, but I just can't sit down and play Monopoly with you. There may be a difference. I don't know. Number three, what can I do to help build relationships of brotherhood with people in my life and church? Now, I don't say develop current ones. I'm talking about new people. We've, we've been blessed with a lot of new folks. Some are joining. Some are in the process of going through the, the discovery stage. But are we building new relationships of brotherhood with people in our life and in our church? And by the way, let me quickly say that if you do that, you may have to spend a little less time with the people that you're always spending time with. And those of you that are there saying, my friends don't spend as much time with me as much as they used to, maybe it's because they bought into that they need to branch out for the sake of furthering truth to connect with others. 
And all that's done is not to reject you. Watch this, watch this. They didn't reject you. Here's what they did do with you. They released you to go do the same with someone else so that you would expand your connectivity. Number four, why is it important for me to live in Christ as well as in the community? What is the secret of keeping balance in my life between being in Christ but also in the world? Now, moms and dads and single parents, you got kids of any age, ask that question, put it in a phrase they'd understand and have that discussion. How do you live that tension between living fully for Christ but still in a world that has certain demands and expectations? Those of you that are in business, those of you that are in the military, you struggle with that all the time. I know you do. I would too. I've been in that world. So how do we handle it? Number five, is there someone who needs to hear a greeting of grace and peace from me? Do we have a lonely person? Do we have a shut-in, a homebound? Do we have someone that's going through some deep water right now in their jobs or with their health or their finances? Is there someone that is hard for you to connect to because they're prickly people, but yet they still need to hear a word of grace? You're listening to Make It Clear with the teaching of Dr. Stan Pons, founder of Make It Clear Ministries and president of Florida Bible College in beautiful Orlando, Florida. Make It Clear is dedicated to taking the Word of God with clarity into every person's world. It is the support of listeners like you who make the ministry of Make It Clear possible. You can provide your tax-deductible gift to Make It Clear online by going to makeitclear.org. Or you can mail your gift to Make It Clear, P.O. Box 607-901, Orlando, Florida, 32860. Thank you for helping us make it clear. If you would like to have Dr. Pond speak at your church or event, please send us an email at tellmemore at makeitclear.org. Thank you, and remember to make it clear. Make it clear.